Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. Before I introduce my guest for today, I just want to provide an update on my goal of running the year. If you're just now joining us, welcome. When I say I'm going to run the year, I mean my goal is to run 2,021 miles before December 31st. I've made it 715 miles so far. It feels like running shoes have become like car tires, only I rotate them more frequently. It's time to buy my third pair in five months. As the summer progresses, please keep me in mind. I have to get up before the sun rises to get the miles in. Otherwise, the heat of hot Lanta can be way too much. I should invest in electrolyte water, y'all. But the show must go on. My guest today is Shawnee T. Godwin. Shani is the president and CEO of Communique USA Incorporated. For more than 20 years, she's helped companies and organizations achieve marketing success. A lifelong learner, Shani has participated in a variety of business and civic programs, including Leadership Atlanta, Dartmouth University's Tuck School of Business High-Performing Minority Business, and Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. In addition to creating Communique USA, Shani is also the founder of Audible Voices LLC, where she blogs, writes, and inspires others to find their voice. Her first book, The Love Project, 365 Ways to Love Yourself and Get the Love You Deserve, landed on bookshelves in 2017, right before the launch of her podcast, Joy Economics, Creating Better Ways to Live, Work, Play. Shani and I talked about depression. I can't tell you the number of nights I had uh, when I was depressed where I literally was having suicidal thoughts, was trying to talk back to the suicidal thoughts and fight those demons in my head. When you feel alone inside your own experience, suffering is intense. I wholeheartedly believed that this person left me because of my mental illness. I not only felt abandoned, I felt like the life I wanted had been stolen. When we get the help we need, we become bright lights in the world and others can follow. I tell you, when you run across someone who reads your book and thanks you profusely for saving their lives because they have a diagnosis, because you shared, you're just like, wow. Shani, it's so good to have a fellow podcaster on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I can't help but notice you graduated from Hampton University. Why was it important to you to attend an HBCU? I come from a long legacy of HBCU graduates. So my family, my parents went to Morehouse and Spelman. They're a Spellhouse love story. Oh, no. <laughs> and I grew That's up in great. Atlanta and all the aunts and the uncles went to Spelman and North Carolina A&T and I just heard all these stories. And so it was kind of not an option. I was pretty much going to go to HBCU. The question became where. So I was planning to go to Spelman and my dad, who was from Buffalo and my mother was from North Carolina, he was passionate and adamant that all three of us leave Atlanta and go away. And truth be told, Hampton had the major that ultimately would become the foundation for my career. That was mass comm, advertising, and the rest is history. Amazing. Well, go Hampton. Yay. We love Hampton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to talk to a fellow podcaster and a fellow black woman podcasting. We're a rare breed. So I have to know what inspired you to start Joy Economics. 
So it's funny. Joy Economics was not started to be a podcast at all. It was really started in response to a lot of stress in my life. My company, Communicate USA, we had scaled the million dollar mark and it was supposed to be like this pinnacle moment of success. And honestly, it was one of the most depressing times in my life. And I found myself in the middle of the night going through yet another growth program. I was in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program, super high achievement, great honor to be in that program, but I was working on yet another growth plan and I couldn't manage the growth and success that I had because we had scaled so quickly. And I woke up in the middle of the night crying at 3 Mm a.m. because I was unhappy. And everyone around me was validating success based on the financial milestone that we had hit. So I was pulling up in circles with families and friends, talking about my stress level, talking about how unhappy I was, only to be met with responses of, well, you should be happy. You, This is what you've been working for. A lot of the shoulds, and we know when people are shitting or we're shitting ourselves, there's shame um, beneath the surface. And so here I am in this moment at 3 a.m., and I decided and realized that I was actually happier when the business was smaller and more manageable and when it was creating immense amounts of personal joy because I was writing and doing things that I loved. And as the leader of a bigger enterprise, I was thrust into HR meetings and legal stuff and the stuff I was not built for. And in that moment, I decided to redefine success based on joy and what made me happy. And what came to me in the middle of the night was joy economics. And so quickly did all the things you do when you have a good idea. Look for the domain, (laughs) check to see, call the IP attorney the next day and registered it. And actually got an opportunity to host a radio show, which I completely thought was like a fluky joke. Ended up hosting the Joy Economics radio show. The station got uh, bought out. And instead of pitching it to other stations, my team was like, you know, people aren't listening to the radio anyway. You need a podcast. So (laughs) we turned it into a podcast. Wow. That's amazing. What my, my favorite part of that whole thing is, um, you never doubted for one second that you couldn't make it into something amazing. And you also recognized how to redefine success for yourself that has nothing to do with money necessarily. Oh, I just, and this all came from self-revelation? Self-revelation and a lot of sadness and depression, honestly. Like when you're in those depressed, burnout, Mm. tired moments, you're searching, right? And so I've learned that for me, depression shows up when I am out of alignment with who I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to be. And when I'm out of alignment with my assignment, depression is going to find me. And that doesn't have to just be work. That can be in relationship with other people. That can be in my career that can be my home. Anytime I start to feel sadness, it is now probably one of the most precious gifts. And oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm saying that because I've really struggled in this area for years and um, definitely have actively managed a depression diagnosis. But for me, I look at it as a blessing because my spirit is just giving me a clue that something's misaligned. And when I can figure it out, things reverse themselves and I'm on a happy. Shani, thank you for saying the word depression out loud. Um, 
I think that it's been really hard inside the black community in particular managing record highs of anxiety and depression through just the hell of 2020. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have Has talking about depression out loud led others to seek you out? It has. I So to, to know my story and to know how and why I'm comfortable, you have to kind of go all the way back to the beginning. I was diagnosed with depression um, in 2005. It was unexpected. I had a complete mental break and was uh, hospitalized and uh, was 30, high achieving. Uh, We talked earlier, finished Hampton in three and a half years. Like this Midas touch girl finds herself in the midst of a psych hospital with know, a diagnosis, a whole stigma attached to it, people giving her excuses of what to tell people when she comes back on the grid. And it was a hard, hard thing. It was not something that I knew anything about. It was not something that I knew people because we weren't in 2005 having these active, open conversations. And so my journey began there. Um, For me, the medicine was writing and journaling and starting to really unpack the things inside of me that were creating it. And to have a breakdown, I mean, there were years and years and years of built-up depression that I just was unaware of because depression doesn't always present itself. And I would, I would even say in Black women, it doesn't always present itself as sadness. It, you can feel yes. it, but for me, I masked it because I was busy all the time. And my work in that way was the addiction that helped blunt out the sadness. And so, oh my gosh, I could keep going on and on. But point being, I probably around 2009, uh, my dad died. So after I got diagnosed two years later, my husband left the marriage unexpectedly, which sent me back. Um, And I I think it was just all of the tension and the stress and the stigma. And I, I don't want to ever tell someone else's version of their story, but I'll say, He decided he no longer wanted to be married, which was devastating. I just really recovered from the break. And then 18 months after that, my dad died unexpectedly from a heart attack in his sleep. And so here's someone who got diagnosed, was fighting the diagnosis, in denial about the diagnosis, and got hit two more times by a Mack train, and Mack truck rather, and it all sent me back to the hospital. So that second round in the hospital was when I admitted, like, this is a real thing. And if this is what it is, that I I am called to still live a great, fulfilled life. And I am not going to walk around and let the world put a stigma of shame and a veil of invisibility on my life just because people are uncomfortable having the conversation. So in that time and in that space, when I came out of that hospitalization episode, I committed myself to do this work and start telling my story. That is just so powerful. Tell me, tell me more about how Com- Communique yeah. USA is dedicated to healing the world by helping people find more joy at work so they experience more peace, love, and joy in their lives. I love that mission. It seems to come from these really hard, hard times. It sounds like almost a decade of really hard times. Yes. 
Uh, and you're absolutely right, spot on. So here I was dealing with all of these dark things in my life, and yet I owned a marketing firm that for all purposes was doing really well. Clients loved me. We do, we do marketing work. And so we were working with major brands and companies like Chick-fil-A and Cox Enterprises. And again, the Midas touch continued in the, the professional space. The problem is, though, that here I was dealing with all of these emotional stressors behind the scenes. And, you know, I tell people when you have a mental uh, illness, when you have a mental disability, when you have anything psychological going on, people can't see the interior. They can, you know, if I showed up at work with a broken leg, I'd get the attention, the care, the concern. People would make accommodations for me. You show up with mental stuff going on, A, you're not going to talk about it normally, which means you're going to smile and do the work. And all it does is exacerbate what's going on beneath the surface. And so for me, that started to reframe how I did business with others, how I served my clients. Like, how can I be a great marketing partner to someone if they're in the middle of a painful divorce? Maybe the best way I need to serve them in that moment is checking in on them instead of driving the timeline and piling pressure on them. So we started in our company really with our vision and values creating a service mantra that we would make business personal and we would recognize the humanity in our clients' lives and in our employees' lives and in each other's lives. And we would give each other space to do life in the midst of work because, I mean, we agree, we spend most of our lives at work. And so instead of separating personal from life, we wanted to find harmony. And it started there and it just kind of grew. And so today you know, we're all about helping create joy at work. Now, the way we do that is with some rock star marketing services, and we have all kinds of ways we do that for our clients. But at the end of the day, we've done the research and stress before the pandemic was costing U.S. companies about $360 billion a year in productivity losses. Uh, the last stat I saw a few weeks ago is up to about $391 billion, so pushing up on $400 and I, I hate to say it because I'm not a negative Nancy, but I don't think there's an end in sight. So either you're going to get off the hamster wheel and figure out how to integrate the two, or you're going to be riding and running on that thing to burn out into epidemic per portions of burnout, which is sad. And all that does is increase more mental health issues, more claims, more health issues. Like that stress, whether it shows up mentally or not, it's going to show up in your body. Well, I'd, I'd call way. it job security for me, but what a terrible reason to have job security in the in my space, right? Your your space, you guys have your set for life after this no, pandemic. I hate just, to say that, but yeah, the the toll of human suffering is real. Yeah, and uh, we just don't talk about it. I find, and so I, Hello Health likes to provide that backstage where. You can share what's going on inside of you, but it's just so hard to trust that you're going to be handled softly and with kindness, I right. think. Well, I, I, this is, uh, I shouldn't go there, but I'm just going to go there. Let's be real and transparent. I don't think corporate systems are set up to care about people. And I think when we recognize that they're, they're set up to care about production over uh, prosperity and health 
things like that. And I think when we can recognize that that is the game, essentially, we can make better choices for ourselves. Because whenever you can deal with the reality of what something is, you, the way you get yourself back in the driver's seat is to see it for what it is. And then, you know, at that point, you've got decisions that you've got to make about how you want to show up in the midst of a corporate landscape that is very production-oriented. Oriented, sure. Well, many people would tell us that for-profit businesses should be about profit and capitalism. Right. So, you know, they look at us and say, how the heck does healing figure into to all of this? And I guess I would say... If you're not healing up, then you're just going to churn and burn through your workforce. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's what the numbers are showing. So that's 360, 391 billion. That's claims and losses and people zoned out and not getting work done, mistakes, you know, relational issues, just people on edge because they're not given margin to live and have space away from the office. Well, tell me more about how Communique makes joy possible, just within your own organization. Well, we we as an organization embrace uh, the joy economics lifestyle, but for our clients to make it more practical, because, you know, here I am, um, and I can get dismissed pretty quickly in the cause of corporate America as just cute little woo-woo girl <laughs> who's like, this doesn't translate to dollars, and actually uh, beg to differ. So we know that for every dollar that you invest in employee health and wellness, a dollar and 50 cent gets returned to the bottom line. So marketing is always the engine that helps drive revenue, right? So in marketing departments, you typically find stressed out marketing managers who are responsible for hitting high revenue goals for the company. And it is, you got to be halfway crazy literally to be a marketer which is why I think I sign up for it over and over again (laughs) you're driven by the insanity of the deadline and then you birth something creative and you're like oh that was amazing let's do it again so what we do at communicate we partner with marketing firms who need more capacity they need more people to get the work done and that's how we're able to bring stress relief to the conversation. So oh, at cool. the moment that I can identify that you are losing money because your people are overwhelmed and then I can offer you talented marketing resources to help you create better content, to offload some of the project work to, to be extra arms and legs, then we can come alongside you, give you great, great support, help you get those marketing programs out the door. And yeah, you can be where you need to be at home. Oh my goodness, so fantastic. I love I love the part where sleep gets included at night and work gets excluded on weekends. Right. Yeah. Well, and that I mean, honestly true true transparency is because I I am very self-aware and I know that too much work makes Shawnee a not happy person. So, I don't want to have those 3 a.m. moments where I'm waking up, typically if I'm up at 3 a.m., I'm stressed, right? So that stress, that ability to think clearly will find me at whatever part of the day there's white noise. And that, if I'm on the clock and I'm churning and burning myself out, is going to be in the middle of the night. So the goal is to be able to sleep at night. And in order for me to do that, I know I need personal boundaries. If my whole organization is turned on 24-7, then anytime there's an issue, I'm going to get things and pings after hours. So we just made an agreement as a company 
that we would live out this principle by committing to disengage from email, give each other time back with our families in the evenings after seven and on weekends. And it works. And it makes our people much more productive, focused, and they go harder in the paint for clients that get asked to stay around because they do great work. And they're bringing their best of themselves each and every day. Congratulations, Shani. I mean, I've come to find that the employees really do need permission to disengage from work and establish good boundaries for themselves around it. And without that, they just burn themselves out. And so I just I just want to say I really appreciate that you are modeling what you'd like to see in your company's culture. Thank you. I, for me, it's bigger purpose work. It's, it's not even about just me and my company. I, it's, this is the work that I'm here to do, and it is the change that I want to see in the world. I, I know that I'll take this work with me to my grave. I know that it matters, and I tell people, you know, the pioneers are the people who get to go first, but pioneering is hard work. So I always picture this visual of me like in a wooded jungle with a machete. And, oh, goodness. <laughs> and I just have to like <laughs> cut down all of these. Oh, take mosquito spray yeah. with you. <laughs> For the pioneers, people like me who are called to pioneer this work, hopefully, you know, down the road, it's easier for people to follow the path because the path has been made clear and people will soon start to see that it's not, it's not just woo-woo, you know, pie in the sky stuff. It's very tangible, real, measurable impact that all of this has on our bottom lines as companies, but on, on our personal bottom line as people. This is a great segue. Why are you passionate about entrepreneurship, particularly inside the Black community? Oh, my gosh. I have never been asked this question. I, so oh, good. A good question. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm wondering, am I passionate about entrepreneurship? I love being an entrepreneur. But and we it's funny because in our it's funny that you asked me that because in our vision and values course, we have this segment where we talk about me as the leader. And the question we ask is, entrepreneurship nurtured or is it your nature? And so mm. I, for me, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think I'm just naturally wired that way. And so you got to remember, I started Communicate. This is our 19th year in business this fall. So entrepreneurship was not trending when I started Communicate. Yes, and right. I was 27 and people thought I was crazy. Like it was a year after 9-11. People were like, you're going to do what? You got a good corporate job. You work at Bell South in advertising. What? So I, it's just work. I know I'm built to do. I'm creative. I love the variety. Um, I think anytime you can create momentum in your life off of who God made you to be, that's always something worth celebrating. So if that looks like entrepreneurship for you, then absolutely go for it. If it looks like monetizing your talents in other ways in corporate America or in, or in any other space, nonprofit, then, then do you. But I'm much more about just people showing up as how God created them and monetizing your natural gifts. Because when you're doing work you love, the money comes because you do it in ways that other people just can't. Well, I can tell you do it joyfully. Thank you. <laughs> Shani, you wrote a book, The Love Project, yes. 365 <laughs> Ways to Love Yourself and Get the Love You Deserve. And I just wanted to talk about that because of what you mentioned before, this 
such hard times, dark periods in your life, but you've been able to see really bright spots and you're speaking with a smile on your face. Tell me more about the story of how self-love became something you could write about. So this is a crazy story. This this is also a very unintentional, haphazard thing, the book um, that is. So after um, I got diagnosed and decided that this would be my life's work, the first thing I felt very clear was God prompting me to share my story. And that was so scary. I just was like, oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. absolutely not, God. Like, I am not trying to be the poster child for mental illness. Ain't going to happen. Find another person. And so I started journaling. And journaling kind of really did a lot to heal me, uh, get a lot of the stuff that was beneath the surface out on paper. Journaling coupled with therapy really began the things that started to heal me. Now, the area of my life that was always popping and going great was business. Business was always the anchor. It was always like the love language. I tell people before there were love languages, my love language was work. So I, if I could work, I was going to be okay. But my area of my life that really was challenged and suffered were, were my love relationships and romantic relationships. And I think you know, when devastating, traumatic things happen to us, we create narrative around those pain points. And for me, the narrative that I began to create was tied very heavily to my divorce. And I wholeheartedly believed that this person left me because of my mental illness. Now, is that what you said? No, but that is in my heart of hearts what I believed. And so it started to truly influence how I healed, the types of people I would date. Um, my standards really were very low because who wants to date the girl with mental illness? I'll take whoever, you know, gives me some time and attention. And so it led me through a series of failed relationships, uh, one that became pretty toxic and very emotionally abusive. And then I tell people kind of jumped out of that into this uh the arms of the rescuer guy who was going to rescue me from it all only to end up uh, meeting his girlfriend at the store when I surprised him and I got that surprise. So the love project was an exodus for me to stop, just full on stop trying to get the love that I felt I'd lost and feel myself getting emotional. The love that um, I felt I was so deserving of. Um, My divorce was painful because I had, dreams of a family, dreams that I thought would manifest in my life. And because this person left and did not include me in the decision, I not only felt abandoned, I felt like the life I wanted had been stolen and ripped away from me without me even having a say-so. So me coming to the table to write The Love Project was years, probably at that point, a good 12 years of hurt and pain bottled up and it spilled out onto the pages in my favorite little coffee shop in Atlanta. Shout out the Rev Coffee. That's my little writing spot. And I just, <laughs> the next day I went over there and I was like, I, I came up with the idea for the book and I said, I'm going to write it today because I'm off. My sister kept saying, why do you have to do it today? And I was like, I'm off. I don't have to go to work. And I've been trying to write this memoir story for 12 years. And I need this book in my hands in the beginning of the year. It was September. 
And so it's a daily inspirational book for women. Um, each day, there's a self-love principle. And I'll tell you, that's the gift that keeps giving. I wrote the book for myself, but in it, I found my voice. It was the first time I began to share my story. And I found release because there were so many stories like mine. And that's the illusion of depression, right? You think you're yes. the only one. Yes. And giving voice to that pain. Um, and then writing a book about self-love. Yay, God, because I wasn't looking for that. Those words came straight from God. But I tell you, when you run across someone who reads your book and thanks you profusely for saving their lives because they have a diagnosis because you shared. Yes. You're just like, wow, that that's so above my pay grade. That book was nothing but divine inspiration. And I got to be the vessel to pour it out. And selfishly, it was something I needed in my life that has been, I've been blessed to, to share with other women. Who feel. And the more I love myself, the better life gets. And the brighter light you've become with your whacking through the jungle with a machete, um, you know, again, definitely love apply warrior. the mosquito spray there. Okay. I love it. You, you have saved so many lives just through sharing your story, but I appreciate your courage. Thank you. And I appreciate you sharing it with us here at Hello Health Today. So you know so many things because you have had to recover from, I'm going to call it dark, the darkness, yes. where such an isolating experience to feel depression yes. and um, to be left alone inside our own experiences. One of the sharpest, hardest kinds of human suffering I have found. So when we shift from that I just wonder, what's your favorite self-care activity? What keeps you feeling that self-love? Um, oh, so pandemic. Can we talk pandemic for a quick sure. minute? Sure, absolutely. Let's do So I like people. I, you can't see me, but you can hear me. I'm an A-people person. And <laughs> finding myself in a pandemic by myself, alone, isolated, just was not ever going to be the recipe for success. I laughed because uh, the first month of the pandemic, right before we went into lockdown, I called my mom. I had a full on meltdown. I mean, ugly cry, tears. And I was like, I am not going to be able to stay in this house for a month by myself. Oh, no. <laughs> and we know that lasted 14 months. So the pandemic oh, actually cured me. I'm very comfortable <laughs> and happy. I've learned to love my uh, being by myself. But so some of these answers changed, honestly, because of the pandemic. Um, the pandemic, I really I started doing a little bit with meditation. But I really got into meditation during the pandemic. And love oh, that. Meditation is my jam. Oh, my goodness. Like, I am getting so good at it. This observing your thoughts. And I know Headspace, the app that uh, I listened to some tutorials on there. They were saying, you know, observe your thoughts as like cars going by and just don't jump. You can have the cars can be in traffic. Your, your job is to not jump in the car with the thought. Oh, that was pretty game changer. So it's helping me in so many ways. The more I can just observe my feelings and the thoughts, uh, meditation for sure is something that I'm really enjoying. The other thing um, that I think for me, I, people ask all the time, like, how have you been able, how are you so happy in such a light 
I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of work with therapists. Um, I have an amazing therapist. I am in therapy actively um, every week <laughs> and do not make uh, any, I have no shame about it. And I tell people I'm in the 16th grade in therapy. I don't think I'll ever graduate. So that's how long I've been at it. But I, I appreciate the outlet. So um, one of the things that's important to do for me is to release and to have that sounding board when things are bothering me, that outside perspective. I don't care if it's a therapist, a trusted friend, but you cannot comfortably sit in pain and and keep it to yourself. So I've found that it's when I open my mouth and I share with someone what I'm feeling, uh, that I'm alone, that I can't tell you the number of nights I had uh, when I was depressed where I literally was having suicidal thoughts and knew I was having suicidal thoughts and was trying to talk back to the suicidal thoughts and fight those demons in my head. And, you know, God gave us a voice, but he also gave us community. And so being able to ask for what you need, I think, is important for me. And then last is just really, I'll land on the God note. Cultivating a relationship with God has mattered most and been the biggest reason I'm able to be a light because the deeper I go into my faith and into spirituality and allow myself to see myself the way God created me, the way God designed me and see how much he loves and cares for me. The more I get that truly in my spirit and believe it, the more I'm able to shut out the things that the world tells me I should be and I should not be based on, you know, labels that have been assigned to me. And I'm able to truly shake that off and stand in my own glorious light. Johnny, how, how powerful I am going to attempt to summarize what you've said so that we've got our action steps for today. So action steps to become more self-compassionate, which, Johnny, you've been able to do so beautifully. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. The first thing I heard you say is, I journal. So if you haven't tried journaling, I think Johnny is showing us the power of what journaling can bring. The second is meditation or mindfulness practice can be so useful in rediscovering a narrative or redefining one for yourself. The third thing, Shani, I heard you say is keep good company with God. Is there anything that I left out? No, that's it. Nailed it. Um, Johnny, I just really, really love that you have found your voice. How can our listeners find you, your book, Communique, the Joy Economics podcast? You have been productive in the last 20 years. Hey, well, you hold up in this house. I'm going to keep on creating. No, thank you so, so much for having me. It has been a pleasure to uh, give voice and be on this platform. Uh, Hello Health, I just appreciate the work that you guys are doing. I am relatively easy to find as long as you can spell my name right. So it's Shani, S-H-A-N-I Godwin, G-O-D-W-I-N.com. If you hop over to my website, um, you'll learn more about our Joy Economics coaching program, Communicate USA. You can find the podcast, the book, all things uh, lead back uh, to me off of my website. Um, I'm also on Facebook at I am Shawnee Godwin and Instagram at I am Shawnee Godwin. And of course, you can always link in with me on 
Shani, it's been fabulous talking with you today. Thank you. And as always, folks, we will leave um, our in our show notes contact information and Shani's website. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. Keep shining. Thank you for listening to Hello Health Today. Special shout out to listener Tiki DM, a physician serving in an urban community who, after listening to our interview of city council candidate Mandy Mahoney, reviewed us with the headline, Where Have I Been for Three Seasons? She wrote, It's always helpful to hear ambitious working mothers share their work-life balance journeys. Tiki DM will continue to do just that. We so appreciate hearing from you. After each episode, I've asked you to support the show by rating and reviewing us. If you just can't take the time to review us, consider simply sharing an episode with a friend. We really do need reviews and shares to make season four possible. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.